What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up? Hey, Jeff. How's it going, man? Things are going well. Things are going well, man. I, I tell you, this time of the year, I'm really, really I get excited this time of the year as the weather starts to change and, you know, you you can see spring in front of you. This is the type of year, the time of year that I really enjoy. But also, too, it lets you know we got March Madness coming. You know, before that, we got the tournaments, but we got March Madness. Uh, We got NBA playoffs. We're going to have the Masters coming up soon, right? Typically, and this is a sore point for you, Rob, we'd have baseball, but right now um, there's no baseball. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, man, this time of the year, I I really enjoy it for all those reasons and more. Yeah, it's a great time to be a sports fan. And like you said, you know, around this time, I'm starting to make my Yankees to the World Series predictions, and I'm trying to build a case for that. But I, I can't do it right now, man. I just can't. No, you and a lot of other baseball fans right now are on ice waiting to see if the deadlock between Major League Baseball and the union um, is going to break. Um, you know, we talked last week about the negotiations breaking down and, you know, Rob Manfred, Commissioner Manfred, uh, canceling the first two series of the season. And, and um, you know, negotiations resumed yesterday, which was Sunday as we're speaking here today. And the reports weren't favorable. And it may be that, you know, the commissioner is going to come out in the next day or so and perhaps cancel some more games. Yeah, and that's just going to be... <sighs> more sadness in my heart, man. <laughs> yeah. And you won't be alone. Um, but you know, uh, so that, that is kind of a, um, a soft spot or, or a black cloud on the sports horizon. Um, but, uh, you know, again, this is a time of year where a lot is going on and hopefully baseball will get it together and, you know, we'll be back to playing baseball as well. But it seems like there's a lot of work to do there. Um, you know, Rob, another story, though, that has come out today on Monday as we're speaking uh, comes out of the NFL, where the NFL has suspended Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. It's an indefinite suspension that will cover at least the 2022 season may go beyond that because he bet on NFL games. Um, NFL has a policy that you cannot bet if, you know, NFL personnel, including players, uh, you can't bet, uh, on sports sporting events. And, uh, Calvin Ridley was found to have bet on games and he's been suspended for at least a year. Um, any initial thoughts from you, Rob, uh, when when you saw that story coming out of the NFL? Um, 
it was a, a almost like a shock factor just because you don't typically see news like this uh, come out. And for it to be a, a receiver that, you know, just yesterday, maybe a couple of days ago, uh, a player that was being talked about as, you know, one of the guys that a lot of teams are going to pursue, you know, Patriots, the Jets, all these other teams looking for a wide receiver. And he was the name that just kept coming up, coming up, coming up. And now all of a sudden, his season is gone, and who knows what? Like, like you said, the statement says at least through the 2022 season. So who knows how long the suspension will actually last, and what happens after this season? Uh, but my first reaction was, "Wow, um, that's a that's some big, big news considering, you know, what the NFL has in place in terms of betting on the game or players betting and stuff like that." So. Um, Obviously, this is just the beginning of this story. We don't know what's going to happen throughout, but uh, it's it's big stuff. Yeah, it is. It's it's a very big story, and you know, and for me, it's 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 a story that's that that has a lot of layers to it. Um, yes. First of all, look, I I I don't. We need to have a rule. Every league needs to have a rule that prohibits players and other personnel so you know coaches um, assistant coaches trainers front office personnel right if you're associated with the league you know as an employee including being a player um, then yeah there needs to be a prohibition on betting on sports especially betting on your own sport uh, as Roger Goodell said in his statement, you know, that goes to the heart of the integrity of the games that we're watching. So I have no problem, Rob, with the rule. I don't. I mean, I think we need to have that rule in place. I agree. Um, but we also know, Rob, that athletes are human beings and, you know, athletes are going to engage in the types of activities that, you know, the majority of us engage in. And we know there's been some very high-profile athletes. Now, we can go back to Shoeless Joe Jackson and the, and the Black Sox scandal. Uh, we can go back to Pete Rose, who's been banned from baseball. But we also have some athletes who did not get in trouble necessarily, but who are notorious as gamblers. Michael Jordan. Yep. <laughs> Charles Barkley. Antoine Walker, to, just to name a few. So we know there are plenty of athletes who enjoy the wager. Um, so, you know, yeah, we can have the rule that, that prohibits athletes and others involved in, in the delivery of sport from betting on sports. But Rob, man, it's having that rule is not like the be all end all in a situation yeah, like this. Yeah, and, and I think that kind of stuff is going to actually, maybe with this situation, come to light a little bit more. And maybe it'll prompt leagues, you know, starting with the NFL, who's, you know, this is their story, to kind of revisit, not just the rule, because I do agree. I think the rule is, it has to be in place. It has to, like, there's no condoning what Calvin Ridley did here. There's none of that. Um, but I think, yeah, maybe they will revisit their their rule and implement some other stuff to kind of make sure that this stuff does not happen again like under no circumstances ever happens again and you know unfortunately for for Ridley yeah he made a dumb decision in doing what he did and Benny and he said he only bet 1500 bucks 
um, which to a guy making, you know, the money he makes, that's nothing, but you still did it. So yeah, you have to, you know, you have to get punished for it. You have to suffer the consequences of your action. But I think this is an opportunity for the NFL to kind of look at their rules and say, all right, how can we make sure that this never happens again? Because it doesn't happen often, at least publicly. We don't know if it happens behind the scenes. We may never find out if it happens behind the scenes. But publicly, the NFL has to do something here to make sure that this kind of news never breaks again. Yeah, and you raise an interesting point about, you know, you say, hey, you know, they may need to implement something. And and for me, I take that to mean, you know, at least what I think about is whether you're the NFL, MLB, or any of these other leagues, is it enough to simply have a rule to say to your personnel, let's just talk about athletes. We know it applies to other personnel, but to say to your players, don't bet on the games. And if you do, the hammer is going to come down. Is that enough when we're living in a world where sports gambling is now legal and all of these leagues are in partnerships with multiple sports books and others who are involved in the sports gambling business? You know, is it enough for the NFL simply to say to the Calvin Ridley's of the world, you better not bet on games or should they have support mechanisms that are real support mechanisms, right? To help the athletes not bet on games, right? And I'm not talking about having a program or two in place so that you can have some window dressing and say, hey, we have a program. No, do you really have something in place to help these athletes deal with, you know, the legalization of sports betting and how it has saturated the sports landscape. Yeah. And I think that would be important just because like you said, a rule is a rule and you can read it. You can choose to ignore it. You can just read it and say, yeah, I'll follow. I'm not going to do it, but it's, there's also, you know, a lot of legal stuff behind the reasoning for that rule, especially with betting. So I think having some type of, like you said, so maybe some type of program where players can sit down, even if it's, you know, on guys on draft days, you know, rookies coming in, kind of have that program in place saying, this is why we can't have you bet. This is, you know, just explaining the behind the scenes stuff as well. Cause it's one thing to say, don't do it. And then hope you hope they don't do it. But it's another thing to really break it down for them and almost, and I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but almost dumb it down for them to understand why this rule is in place, what the consequences are and basically just kind of have them understand that part of it. And I think that's important, just really breaking it down for the athlete so that they know not to get engaged with any sort of, you know, betting or gambling when it comes to the sport. Yeah, I know that, for example, in baseball, um, that, you know, they have a rookie career symposium and it's multi days and, you know, so many different things are presented to young players, um, things about how to handle your money, how to handle the media and, you know, performance enhancing drugs and sports gambling, domestic violence, you, you name it, right? An introduction to all of the things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things you should do, the things you shouldn't do and so forth, and the resources that are available for you to successfully navigate it all. 
So they do have those things. And, you know, at various points of the season, especially in spring training, there may be reminders, right, of the domestic violence policy, of the PED policy, of, you know, uh, the gambling policy. And I would imagine other leagues do the same thing, which is great. To me, I think, you know, as, as um, you know, we continue to go down this road, I think leagues have to continually examine what types of mechanisms they have in place to help players. Because see, for me, if the leagues are going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars from sports betting, they can't simply say to their personnel, but you can't bet, you know, no, the, the, with, with, with the, with the opportunity to, to profit off of sports betting in my mind comes the responsibility to not only just prohibit your personnel from gambling on sports, but to help them to not gamble on sports. Yeah. And that's the big, that's the big one right there. And you hit it perfectly. We'll see, man. Because see, here's the thing. Commissioner Goodell, as we all know, NFL commissioner has incredible authority under the collective bargaining agreement and the related rules. And the policy actually says that for violations, they'll be looked upon on a case-by-case basis. So, you know, it's not like baseball where it says, okay, you bet on baseball, you're banned for life. In the NFL, it's okay. It's a case by case determination, and the penalties could be fines, it could be suspensions, it could be termination of employment, it could be banishment from from the NFL. And what's notable about the NFL statement, and we talked about it, is that it says that Ridley is suspended indefinitely, and at least through the 2022 season, he may get more. Yeah. Right. The NFL is going to investigate, and he may be subject to more. He's 27 years old. That's the other thing. He's 27 years old, talented, as you just mentioned, his name popping up in all of these scenarios going to other teams, right? So obviously a talented NFL player, comes out of the University of Alabama, right? The football factory of America, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, he, what are we going to do? Throw him on a trash yeah. sheet because he bet $1,500 on the game. Again, not condoning it, but, you know, the story hasn't been fully told yet about what his punishment ultimately is going to be. But um, I will tell you this, if they try to Pete Rose him, I oh, think there boy. should be an outcry, you know, from the NFLPA. I'm sure they're going to fight tooth and nail for him if that happens. And rightly so, because, yes, he shouldn't be betting. But again, right now, the lines are murky, man, because these leagues are making so much money. These sports books and other sports betting entities are viewed as partners of the league. You know what I'm saying? And I just think that carries some responsibility for the league to do more than just be disciplinarian. I do. So let's see what happens with them. But if they try to Pete Rose this guy, uh, you know, Ridley, I, I think, you know, there should be an upcry from from many corners. I definitely agree there. And I hope that there is because, I mean, maybe I'm in the minority of saying this, but maybe the year, and I don't know, you know, what 
like you said, MLB has a lifetime ban for Pete Rose um, for, for doing what he did. But I thought, you know, a year-long suspension, that was kind of harsh. And, and and like you said, it's not – we don't know if it's just a year. <laughs> this could be two years. This could be three years. Next thing you know, this guy, you know, Calvin really is 30 years old and on the wrong side of mm-hmm. making making an NFL roster. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, um, and, and Rob, it's so easy to bet these days. Yeah. And you and I were talking about it offline. You cannot watch television and you certainly cannot watch a game without being inundated with commercials on sports betting. It's all over the place. It's in your face. Everywhere. And then, Social media, everything. Yeah. The, you know, the sponsorship banners that are in the stadiums, right? You know, can be from, you know, DraftKings or, you know, some of these other sports related, sports betting related entities. So it is saturating the games. And um, when I look at that, I just think that, yeah, we have to have, a, you know, a disciplinary regime in for sports personnel, everybody associated with the game from players, referees, coaches on, on you know, throughout. But at the same time, we got to have support mechanisms there too. Because um, I, I would hate to see these leagues just making money and then ending you know, players and other careers uh, because someone runs afoul of the rule. It just can't be that, Rob. It just can't be. Definitely not, man. And hopefully, we'll see. Like, you know, this is still an open book, so we'll see. And and not to kind of sidetrack from this, but I hope that the league investigates, the way they're investigating this and diving deep, they continue to investigate the Dolphins owner for the accusations made by Brian Flores, too. So I hope, you know, because where he's asking Flores to tank games, and I know it's not so much gambling, but you're still asking the outcome of a game to change for your benefit. So I hope yeah. that they, the league definitely jumps into that, you know, full force as well, and we see something come out of that. Yeah, look, I think that's a good point, right? Because whether you're betting on games or tanking games, the one thing that both of those have in common is that they speak to the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. And if you're the NFL, you can't look to protect the integrity of the game in the Ridley situation more than you do so in the Ross situation, yeah. right? The Stephen Ross situation. So yeah, you're right. Um, Totally different subjects, but both of them speak to the integrity of the game. Um, And so, yeah, I I do hope, you know, and always have that they will, you know, thoroughly investigate the Flores allegations. Um, But on the Ridley scenario, it's the economic component and how the NFL, and this is not just an NFL problem, but how the NFL and these leagues are benefiting from the, um, commercial relationships that they have with these betting entities that to me makes this a very layered issue. And so let's see how, let's see where it goes, but, you know, obviously have to keep an eye on it. And it's going to be one of those things where, right. 
we don't know when or if subsequent discipline is going to come down, right? And it could be one of those things that tries to sneak its way through the headlines. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we got to keep our eye on this one for sure. Um, speaking of sneaking its way through the headlines, Brittany Griner, right? WNBA star, former, you know, standout at, at Baylor, right? Um, arrested in Russia, right? For what she had a, a, a vape, right? And, and, yeah. and, you know, cannabis oil and all the rest of it. And she arrested at the airport and she's, she's in detention right now. She's being detained uh, in Russia. And the story just came out over the past few days. But as you mentioned, when you and I were talking about this, she was arrested over three weeks ago. And for somehow, the story and the information just really started to come out in the last few days. And so you're talking about something being kept out of the of the headlines and, and getting a lot of attention. What's going on with Brittany Griner um, being detained in Russia certainly is one of those. And it's, it's startling to know that that could happen to an, to a person and an athlete of her stature. Yeah. And my first thought with that, when I found out it had been three weeks before the story got out, that was some scary stuff, man. Because like you said, she's a well-known athlete. Like people know who she is. They've known her, they've, you know, you know her since college. Like you mentioned, standout star in college in the WNBA. And for nobody to have known for three weeks, at least not publicly, where she was and that she was detained in Russia of all places, considering, you know, what's going on in the world today. That's some scary stuff, man. Sure it is. And it makes you, you know, wonder, you know, and think about what happens to the no-name, so-called no-name people, right, who are, who are caught up in, in, in custody. But, um, and this happens all the time, right? Uh, and so this is not something that's new. But in, in, in Brittany Griner's case, as you just mentioned, probably one of the worst places right now to be detained in a situation like this, given what's going on with Russia and Ukraine um, and the sort of global backlash against Russia in so many ways. Um, And, you know, the United States is working, as you would imagine, to um, get Brittany Griner home. Um, But what's going on in Ukraine certainly is complicating things you would have to think. And so it's concerning. It would always be concerning, Rob, in a situation like this, but it's especially concerning now, given what's going on in the Ukraine. Yeah. And we, and we just hope that she's able to get back home. And I know, you know, the countries are doing what they have to do behind the scenes and to, to, kind of help this outcome, but hopefully she's able to make it back safely um, and kind of put this behind her. But it's, it's scary stuff, man. Yeah. 
And for those who don't know, I mean, she was playing overseas, right? She's played yeah. in Russia before. She's she's played in the region before. Um, and it also highlights, you know, sort of what is the situation for a lot of WNBA players. During their so-called off-season, they're playing elsewhere. Yeah. They're playing in other parts of the world. And you know, the, that brings up a whole host of concerns and always has been there, right? The wear and tear on their bodies, um, how this affects their personal life. I mean, we saw Brianna Stewart, right? In an international game, you know, uh, have an Achilles injury, right? That sidelined her for a good, a good while. Um, but just the wear and tear, because you don't have the time to rest and recuperate, uh, in your, what should be your off season. But, you know, again, because of the economics of the league and look, they, there were some economic gains made by players in their last CBA, but they're still not making the type of money that NBA players are making. And therefore, they have to go and supplement their WNBA salaries by playing overseas. So that just sort of brings up another point. She wasn't over there. Like someone said, well, why would she go to Russia, given what's going on in the world? She was going yeah. over there to play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, which is, a whole, like you said, a whole different issue, I would say. Definitely an issue with the amount of money WNBA players are making here. Besides that they right. have to take their off season to make more money than they make in the WNBA. That's a whole problem and issue in itself. Right. Right. So everybody I'm sure is hoping for the safe return home for Brittany Griner. Um, and again, this is not to overlook other American citizens who may also be in detention. Right. But um, the unfortunate, you know, we just live in that kind of a world, right? If you're, a star or your name going to be news, but, um, you know, anybody who's detained, we want them to be home. Um, it's just that obviously we know a Brittany Griner situation because of her celebrity. Um, on the NBA front, Rob, this past weekend, man, we saw some really outstanding performances, you know, LeBron James dropping 56, uh, Tatum dropping 54, uh, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Um, and then Nikola Jokic dropping a 46 point triple double on a foe. I mean, some of these NBA players, man, are doing some phenomenal things. Um, what's your take on some of the, you know, and we're not even talking John Morant, who is like, Look, listen, you know how you know how they used to call Harold Minor baby Jordan, right? Yeah. And I think that was the worst thing that could have happened to Harold Minor, by the way, to be called baby Jordan. But I will tell you this, John Morant is baby Dominique Wilkins. If Dominique mm. Wilkins is the human highlight, right, human highlight film? Yeah. John Morant got to be like baby Dominique because that guy, every, it seems like every week he does something that's jaw dropping, man. But, um, but what do you think about the NBA play, man? Some of these things that we've been seeing, some of these phenomenal performances. 
it's been insane. First of all, I wish John Moran would have been in the slam dunk contest because then we would have seen a show by him alone. And I think they should, I know Obi Toppin won it, but they should slide that trophy right over to John Moran based on the kind of dunks we saw from him right after the all-star break. Because my goodness, man, the dude is just special. And that's a great comparison because I've always compared him to Derrick Rose. If Derrick Rose hadn't gotten hurt, but that's a good comparison there. But um, the kind of stuff we've seen in the NBA, LeBron dropping, was it 56? <laughs> Insane, man. The guy's 37 years old. And he is playing out of his mind for a team that needs it, you know, obviously. But the dude is averaging almost 30 points a game and just absolute beast. Like, you were expecting LeBron James to make the playoffs and carry the team in there. But he's 37, and he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. But there he goes. And then Jason Tatum, the kind of run that the Celtics have been on lately, and I think they're like 8-2 in their last 10 games. They had a nine-game winning streak going um, prior to the All-Star break, and I think through it. Um, but the Celtics are playing great ball, and it's being led by Jason Tatum, who had an absolute showing of a game against the Nets. And the dude is special, man. He is a different type of player, and I think he's continuing to ascend. I think he's like 24 years old. So he's continuing to ascend into what I believe will be one of the best players in the NBA, you know, very shortly. Because he's, he's long, he's athletic, he can guard one through five, and he can score with the best of them. And as long as he continues to grow and become more consistent of a scorer, the, the, there is no limit for the kind of talent he has. And then, speaking of no limit, <laughs> the Joker is I, – I joke around a lot with him because he's the most unathletic basketball player I've ever seen in my life. But the dude is a straight baller. He's hit, he scored 30 points in fourth quarter in overtime. He had 46 for the game, a triple-double. It, <laughs> Like, what can't this guy do? He's a great passer as a as a center. Great, great passer. His core vision is, like, point guard-esque. And just his ability to score from anywhere, you just – he's a big-body dude that you just can't stop. In the post, you can't stop him. In the wing, you can't stop him at the three-point line. You just can't. He's just a phenomenal player. And the NBA is in, is in really good hands. They have a lot of great stars. And it was great to see all this stuff happen really back to back to back. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the performances, as you just outlined, are fantastic. A couple of things I'd like to, or one thing I want to focus on, of the three that you mentioned, I want to focus on Jason Tatum because, you know, the Boston Celtics right now, I believe they've won 16 out of their last 18. That's how hot they've been. Wow. And... You know they're they're rising in the east and they're rising in the power rankings. I think in the in the latest you know power rankings that have come out, they they have ascended to third. But you and I both know the season didn't start out that way. Yeah. I mean they were struggling. They have a new coach in 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 Adoka, um, and the season did not start out very well. And in fact, there were a lot of uh, uh, people who were writing and going on podcasts and, and elsewhere saying that you had to break up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, that the two of them could not play together. We heard a lot of that early in the season. You know what 
we're not hearing any of that right now, are we? Right? Nope. This is why sports talk it it's it's it it's too instant, right? It's like we have to make instant analyses on things that sometimes you have to let it play out. You know what I mean? And I think we heard a whole lot of stuff about Jason Tatum, his shot selection. He doesn't know how to pass the ball. Remember when Marcus Smart made his comment and and people were running with that about, oh, Tatum needs to learn how to pass. You, you, have you heard anybody talking about Tatum needs to learn, learn how to pass now? Mm-hmm. No. They're not saying anything, right? And so I look at Tatum and, look, I've, I've, I've liked that young man ever since he was in Duke at Duke. Um, you know, he's come out and he's just been phenomenal. So that 54 points that he scored the other day, his fourth 50-point game in the regular season, he also has two in the playoffs, I think. And that ties him for Larry Bird, with Larry Bird, for the most 50-point games in Celtics franchise history. And this guy is 24 years old. Now, I will, I'm going to back up because whether it's Jason Tatum and even LeBron James, the Joker, John Morant, all the rest of them, I'm going to back up. And I'm going to say it's phenomenal what they're doing in today's game. But today's game is all about shooting. Don't tell me, like, they're talking about, you know, who plays defense. I'll tell you who plays defense in the NBA. Nobody. (laughs) Okay. I mean, we had a regular season, uh, a regular uh, regulation game yesterday between Milwaukee and Phoenix. The score was like one. 30 something to 127 or something like that. Come on, this is like these are like AB old ABA games. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I give Tatum his due. I give the Joker his due. I even give LeBron his due and all these guys their due. But you know what? If they were playing back in the day when Indiana and the Knicks were playing, you know, four quarters and the final score was 78 to 75. Right. And, you know, half the team had to go to the hospital to get, you know, (laughs) stitches. (laughs) Right. Today's NBA, you can't breathe on a brother too hard. Yeah. But I'm not not just a foul. I mean, I'm watching the game the other day and it was the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'm watching on, you know, the NBA channel League Pass. And so I'm watching the NBA. I'm watching Cleveland's you know, um, broadcast team calling the game. And there was a play where the Cleveland guy was going for a layup near the end of the game, and the guy grabbed him. And they announced it called, oh, flagrant foul. Like, oh, flagrant foul? <laughs> but that's how it is in the NBA now. Man, you, you breathe on a guy hard, it's a flagrant. Touch him in his head. Not even hit him hard, but like, you know, you glance him with your fingertip. Yeah. Low to the head, flagrant one. Come on, man. So I I say that to say this. Yes, the offensive display of these guys are great. But, Rob, I take it with a grain of salt because in today's NBA, it's all running gun, bro. It's all running gun, in my opinion. I don't think anybody plays what I consider to be defense in the NBA these days. You know, it's hard to argue that 
because it is true. Because even before you could you could look at we'll, we'll take LeBron for example, look at throughout his career, he's always been lauded as a great defender because of the way he defended the ball. You know, he, he was another guy similar to Tatum who could defend one through five. Um, and yeah, the league has gotten softer. You say who plays defense in the NBA? It's the referees. No doubt about it. They're the best defenders <laughs> right, in the right. league right now. But right. I'm not going to argue about the scoring, though. I, I do love the scoring. I do, too. I do, too. But you know you know, what's the other thing, though, Rob? I'm going to tell you. I was watching, like I said, I was watching a little bit of Milwaukee and Phoenix. Um, and to see how both teams were executing down the stretch in a game that was tight and executing plays, executing sets, shot making both inside and outside. I'm watching that. And as a Knicks fan, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, this is how (laughs) basketball is supposed to be played. Do Do you ever get like that, Rob? You're a Knicks fan. Yeah. Do you ever get like that sometimes when you're watching some of the better teams in the league compete against one another and you see the execution, you see the shot making, you see the decision making, and you look at that and you say to yourself, yeah, the game actually can be played like this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you wonder, how come we don't have a player that can do that? How come we don't have a point guard and haven't had a point guard since what? Since John Starks, maybe? I was going to say since Walt Frazier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. But, you know, because we, like, yeah. we have Mark Jackson, right? You know, but you know what I'm saying. They've I'm had a few, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, man, sometimes I, I look at them. I, You know, they beat the Clippers. I was watching some of that game, but they actually didn't trail in that game. They played a pretty decent game. And I like to see the young guys out there playing now. Because it, it, the Cam Reddish had a great game. Finally, they they're giving him minutes. R.J. Barrett seems to be like the focal point of the offense, so it's good to see that as well. But yeah, man, sometimes I, I think the same thing. Why can't we have that guy? Why can't we run an offense like that? Why can't we win some games? And why can't we have a so-called superstar who who understands that when you're playing on the road against the best team in the league? And you and and you get into a little back and forth with the player, and both of you get a double technical. That it's not a good idea to push past the referee so that you can get another shot at the guy and push him. How come yeah. you don't realize, man, that you can't do that? And it seems yeah. as if after he got tossed from the game, that all he was concerned about was what happened to him, because he's just complaining about what the guy did, what the guy did. What I'm thinking to myself, do you not? have any kind of game awareness Julius Randle that guy is frustrating to watch sometimes bro yeah he's and I'm not starting a rumor here but he looks like a player who knows he may be on his way out come this offseason and I think he's for the most part and he's playing hard sometimes he had a good game not too long ago but he looks like he knows he's on his way out and we shall see. Come this off season, looks like he's he's sort of quitting a little bit since they've kind of shifted towards this youth movement and put R.J. Barrett as basically the number one on this team now. 
Yeah, I, I've said that as well. I, I, I do think there's a part of him that feels like he was the alpha dog and now he's been replaced by the young pup. And, you know, he's not taking to that too well. But the Knicks are a bona fide mess. Um, so, yeah, he may be on the way out. Um, and I don't know what news that is. For Knicks fans, whether it's good or bad, but um, someone else who's on their way out, and I think it's um, it's it's good news, I think, in a sense, and that is Coach K at Duke, Mike Krzyzewski, Um, after 47 years of coaching. Um, listen, here's the thing. I, I will tell you this. When I started watching, you know, I've been watching basketball for a long time, and when, you know, I started watching, you know, Duke, and, and as they rose to prominent under Coach K, prominence under coach k i will tell you this my first reaction to coach k i didn't like him i didn't like him because i didn't like duke i didn't like their players (laughs) and coach k seemed to have that constant smirk on his face that seemed to suggest something that i later found to be not the case which just tells you the danger of prejudging people you know what i mean um Mm. and i you know i'll admit that but you know i have prejudged him just a phenomenal coach, phenomenal achievement, phenomenal career. And, you know, I think of, um, from what I've seen anyway, uh, it seems to me just as good, if not better, of a person. And, um, you know, he's on his way out. This is his last year at uh, coaching and just a great career, man. And so congratulations and hats off to, to Coach K. Yeah, and listen, the way Duke played was the reason why I even wanted to do, you know, the March Madness brackets and all that stuff. It's because of Duke and and the way Coach K led that team and the talent that gravitated towards wanting to be coached by him. And, you know, even when he coached the Olympics, you saw these stars of the NBA join in because it was like, oh, this is Coach K. Like, we get our chance to be coached by Coach K. Like, that's a big deal, even for NBA stars, you know, the LeBrons, the Kobe's all those guys who were there, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, all those guys had an opportunity to to learn from this man who is is college basketball, you know, and, you know, hats off to him. Congratulations to him on a great, great basketball career, obviously Hall of Fame career in, in, in every aspect of his life. So congratulations to Coach K. No doubt about it. Hey, listen, man, we're going to get on up out of here now, but a quick – 15 seconds on Ben Simmons and his position right now with the net. Ben Simmons needs to get on the court, bro. He needs to get on the court. Um, you know, when, you know, we were talking about the potential trade, my position was, I don't think Ben Simmons is a good fit for the nets necessarily. And I don't think he's a good fit for New York. He needs to get on the court. Um, and I say that not knowing the full story. I don't know if his mental health issues are holding him back or if they're physical issues holding him back. But, um, you know, this whole thing with him not playing as they're going to Philadelphia, the Nets are going to Philadelphia. And it's like he's definitely not playing that game. Almost makes it seem like he was running from that game to me. I'm concerned, um, and I just want to see him get on the court. I think he needs to reestablish himself as the player that we believed him to be prior to this whole fiasco with Philadelphia. 
Yeah, definitely. He needs to be out there, man. If the Nets, you know, they're in the tough spot right now at the end of, towards the end of the the bottom of the rankings there, of the standings, but they, they need him, whatever fit he'll bring to the squad, they need him. And, you know, like you said, we don't know his, his state, his mind state right now, what's going on with him in his head, any of that stuff, but Ben Simmons needs to get out there on the court, man. Yeah, I just want to see him out there and reestablish himself, but hopefully he can do that. But all right, man, listen, we're getting out of here now. Um, Rob, I don't know, man. We'll try to see if we can get baseball back on the docket, you know, get that teed up again. But right now, no baseball on the horizon. But hang in there, bro. I think, you know, uh, it has to end soon. I, I, I continue to be an optimist. So. Hang in there, and maybe we'll get baseball back soon for you. I'm trying, man. I may have to uh, hold up picket signs like those guys are doing outside the MLB office. Try to motivate people to get this thing going. Yeah, we, we need something. <laughs> but but uh, certainly, man, look, good, good uh, talking with you today. We'll catch up again next week. We'll do it all again. We'll keep our eye on all of the breaking stories that are out there and come back and offer our take on them but you be good man and we'll do this again next time